Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey, your host, and joining me, Aubrey, our co-host. Hey there. How are you doing, Davey? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. I am so excited that we are here. This is our second episode in our adoption series. Mm -hmm. This is a powerful, powerful series, not only just sharing stories of really faithful people who are following God in really big ways, but also because um, we're hearing God's heart for the orphan and we're hearing God's heart for us. And I think it's just a really beautiful thing that we're doing. So I I love that we're in the middle of this series right now. Yeah. It is such a, like a narrative portrayal for us, you know, like like you step back and you just listen to these stories, you go, Wow. And you just see a fuller picture of who God is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I love uh, Brian and Johanna's story specifically because they take a lot of big risks. Yeah. And um, move through fear in a really faithful way when it comes to their adoptions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, one of the things I was thinking about with this is the tension between taking those faith steps and you know being practical sure right like particularly they they're going to mention you're, you'll hear this a lot of the the financial decisions that they had to make mm-hmm. and the financial responsibility that they had to take on for some of these adoptions and that's not an easy decision you know certainly uh, it's not like yeah how do i how do i make sure that we're that we're practical with our finances and our financial decisions, how do we make sure we're taking care of our home mm-hmm. and at we're the same stewarding time, well. stewarding yeah. things well. And at the same mm-hmm. time, God's going to call us to make some big <laughs> faith steps. And a lot, right. of, a lot of those, especially if, I mean, Jesus talked about finances mm-hmm. quite a bit, talked about money mm-hmm. quite a bit. Why? Because it's connected to our heart so yep. closely that right. if, if he's asking us to take faith steps, oftentimes your, your wallet's going to be a part of that. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's tough to navigate some of those things. Um, you know, one of the things I would like as a pastor, someone came and said, Hey, I feel like we're supposed to do this. Normally I would tell people, Hey, most cases make sure that, you know, you've got your financial house in order, Mm. right? Most cases like steward properly your finances. Scripture talks about that so much. If Mm -hmm. you need good resources on that, you can go see Dave Ramsey, financial peace university. Yeah. You can reference Joe Sangle with the stuff that, that he does um, at I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. And and that talks about how do we make sure that we're stewarding our finances in a, in a God-honoring way. Yeah. But there are going to be times where God goes, hey, this yes. isn't going to make sense. And I want you to, you know, kind of either go all in on something or, and we've had, we had, we, in my lifetime, I've had several instances of that. Where all of a sudden you're being called by God to do this thing that Dave Ramsey would not approve right, of, yeah, or exactly. that your wisdom does not approve I hope of, Dave's but you're not like, to this right now. <laughs> we love you, Dave. We love you, Dave Ramsey. But the Lord is clearly yeah. saying, "Hey, I want you to take this risk for my kingdom." Right, right. And and I mean, I think ultimately what we all have seen is how God provides over and beyond yeah. what we would have expected. Um, you know, I don't necessarily want to say like, because we were obedient, God did, but because we were obedient, God did, or yeah. we at least got to witness right. 
God's power and provision because we Absolutely. were obedient to this crazy thing he called us to. Well, and I, I know we've just set up attention. You're probably like, well, how do I know? You know, like, right, what do I, right. I think the thread to look through all of this is are, are my, let's talk about finances specifically, are my finances submitted to God? Mm, that's so good. Because in some seasons when your finances are submitted to God, what he's calling you to do in submission is to obey his word in the practicality of your finances, honoring him with your first fruits right, by bringing mm-hmm. back the tithe to the local church, and then also stewarding well the other 90%, making yep. sure that you're saving, making sure that you're taking care of your household needs. And all of it surrounds this idea of, I'm not going to spend frivolously on my own desires. I'm going to yeah. submit to the Lord. Well, then... I believe in our faith journeys. Honestly, Aubrey, I can't prove this, but just what I see with other people, what I've experienced my own, sometimes God then flips it. Right. And he goes, okay, now, now part of honoring me and submitting your finances to me is I'm going to call you to do some kind of crazy faith step with your finances. Oh, yeah. And you're going to have to trust some of these preacher principles of like, hey, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. You know, he's going to take <laughs> care good. of it, right? If it's Yeah, when God goes, instead, now I want you to... To give 90% right. you're and like, you're going to live on 10% um, and you're going to, yeah. you know, what do you do then? I think it's a really important question for us to be asking because if we're serious about God transforming our whole lives, yes. serious about all of our lives being submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then certainly that means our budgets and our Absolutely. wallets. And it's an area I need to grow in for sure. Yeah. Well, we all do because again, it's so closely tied to our own hearts and yeah, that's our right. checking account our wallet, our, our the way we spend, our spending habits definitely reflects our own desires so many times. Yeah. And so this is a just such a great thing to munch on and chew on. And I'm so encouraged by the way that Johanna and Brian approach this. You know, God calls them to do something. They're like, well, we don't know how. And uh, and yet God's going to, he's going to take care of, it. he's going to provide. And so um, you guys, this, this, this story is very encouraging. I mean, it's like, and it's challenging. It definitely That's challenges right. your heart. Yeah, so lean in, we're we're going on a journey with uh, the Canalongos. I mean, this there's a they have a lot to say. Their story is very uh, it, it has a lot of different twists and turns in it, but it's so profound, so profound. So let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with Johanna and Brian. Thank you so much for coming and joining us on the podcast. This is uh, an honor to be able to speak with you guys about this. Thanks for having us. Yeah, We're in an adoption series, and this is um, a new sector that we've kind of, you know, stepped into. We've not done a whole lot of conversation about adoption. And when I heard your story, um, I said, man, this is absolutely a story that, uh, that is so inspiring and hope-filled and, and um, it's heavy as well. But I loved being able to just chat with you guys a little bit in our previous conversation and seeing the hope that was resonating off of you. And I'm so excited for our listeners to hear about this. Um, before, though, that we we jump into your story, I'd love to just kind of let our listeners get to know you, just where, where you live, what your family is like right now, and then we can, we can dive back and hear this story. Yeah. So... Um, we live right on the border of, we're in Maryland, right on the Delaware border. Um, so our life, our church, like us church is in Delaware. I work in Delaware at a local bank as commercial lender. And we have eight children, uh, seven on earth and one in heaven right now. 
uh, four uh, biological, four adopted. We live on a little farmette, so my wife keeps us busy with all her fun animals. So, got some goats, some chickens, cats, and ducks, and uh, just uh, it's it's a menagerie. <laughs> it's so fun. I mean, we've homeschooled for sixteen, seventeen years. You know, kids from four to twenty years old. So you know, it's it's. Yeah, I'm an old mom now. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I feel like an old mom. Well, you said seven kids. Um, and so well, obviously, well, right. Seven kids and one in heaven. Yes. And uh, so obviously um, there is reason for the fact that you've had eight kids and it, you guys jumped into an adoption journey. Yes. Um, how long ago was that? And kind of walk me through what that, uh, the beginning of that, because there was some hesitation, I know, Brian, from you. Oh, so gosh, walk yeah. me through a little bit of that, that process well, as you, as you let guys me started. Just, I guess go through that next month is, or, you know, this year is 22 years of marriage. And when we got married, we just said, you know, we want to do more for Christ together than we could do apart. And we had mm-hmm. a missional heart and, and, uh, we went the missions trip, uh, before, right before marriage. And, we said two to four kids, you know, Hey, let's, 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 it's controllable. And, uh, you know, then we had four kids in five years and, you know, and, and whoo, yeah, a couple surprises and we're like, what's happening here. So, um, a lot of times throughout that, you know, 2005, our, our, uh, youngest biological son was born. And I started thinking, Hey, you know, when he's, you know, 22, I'll be 52 and Hey, I'll, you know, it can, have freedom, you know, uh, I can have control. I can have, you know, relax and whatever. And, but, uh, you know, when he was four, uh, July of 2009, I let Johanna take over from here. So, well, I, um, I started, I started hearing God's whisper and he was saying, I have something to tell you. Are, are you, you want to lean in? And, um, I remember being at a conference, it was called a, a women of faith conference and hearing Stephen Kirsch, hearing uh, Mary Beth Chapman talk, which um, blows my mind too, how we've come full circle. But uh, I just remember being completely wrecked by their testimony and completely broken. And I remember the Lord saying, I have a child for you. And, and I just want you to know that. And I want you to hide that in your heart. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Because are you saying this to, to Brian? Are, are you letting him know this? Because you can't, you can't leave it all to me to tell him. He will, he will not believe it. And, um, and I, just, I just, it was so clear to me what he was speaking that I was, I, it was like it ignited this fire storm in me. It was as if he was this burning bush in, in front of me. And, and it was just so clear. And it blew my box out because I thought, oh, you know, four kids, two boys, two girls, four and five years, marathon, we got this. Like, mm. we're, you know, our youngest is four. So it completely blew everything up that I thought as well. But it was so clearly the Lord's voice. And and it lined up with his word and it lined up with, with just love and what he was speaking to me about you have room in your life and in your heart 
and I want to come in and, and I want to do something with that. I want you to give that to me. And, um, and it's surrender. And I just got super excited. So I was like, oh, okay, well, you're obviously telling him this too, right? So I cannot wait to go home and share. <laughs> and I shared and he got really quiet. <laughs> you can pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I sort of saw it coming because I knew she was watching the videos and, you know, we were sponsoring a child, but... I was watching all the Gotcha Day videos. <laughs> I, I never considered it. I, I just... We had four kids. It's, it's you know, thought that was already crazy at the time, but um, it was easier just to avoid, easier not to go, you know, out of your comfort zone. Um and a lot of times it's like, wait, you know, and, and all the fears. And that's one of the things I always try to tell people is, man, I, I'll validate all your fears because I had them. You know, the whole, will you connect with the child? Will you feel the same way with the others? You know, how are we going to afford this? And so many mountains and burdens. But, you know, I, I would pray, but then I really would just rather avoid it. And we're talking 18 months now. I mean, 18 <laughs> months of this. But, you know, a couple months after she shared, I was asked to go to Nicaragua on a business trip to help build an orphanage and, like I said, I love missions. So I went and of course she's thinking, oh, he'll come back. And, you know, I, I love, I love serving. I love being, you know, being in the, uh, helping out in the orphanages, but I still didn't come back and saying yes, yes. And then I started thinking of how I would tell the family when we adopt, but. And meanwhile, all the kids are like so bored yeah. and they're, they're writing persuasive essays to him. You know, they're just like, with no help from me, like I, God just took them and, you know, you don't have to tell a child that you don't have to convince them. They're right. all in and they have the, the faith to believe that, well, of course God's saying this and of course we'll do it. So they just, I didn't, I didn't have to say a word. <laughs> um, I could just sit back and let them do all the testifying. But what continually broke us as we learned more or, or as we dove in and we learned more about the orphan crisis our eyes were opening to something that we had no idea, the brevity of brokenness and the... You know, Davey, I, I think that the biggest thing I was willing to do is, okay, fine, I'll pray, but I'll educate. We, we, we hosted a, we didn't, uh, we just hosted at our, at our house, but a considering adoption class and four or five couples came. And I remember one of the questions out of this book was, you know, where are you on this road to adoption? The driver's seat, you know, Pat, I said, how about the U-Haul in the back? Like, I'm just not... You know, I'm here because, you know, she, she really wants to be. But as time, if me looking back, obviously, I've always had a hard time really articulating why I feel the way I feel or how and so forth in the moment. But I did the Christ, Americanized Christian thing. I did the programs. I was running a huge, successful men's ministry and a basketball outreach program. Um youth sports programs. I mean, it was, I was very, very involved in our church and, and kind of doing what is a Christian does. I'm doing the Bible studies. I'm doing this. I'm playing guitar. I'm doing, you know, mm -hmm. um, busy, busy, busy. And, you know, with good things, but just not really, I hate to say, slowing my role. And, you know, October, 2010, I lost my job. And, you know, mm -hmm. it was just one of those like, Okay, you know, I was out unemployed for six weeks and I remember jumping on the trampoline with my kids and they go inside and I'm just laying there in November and I'm just like, I cannot deny the spirit is moving in this direction. Oh, I, you know, yes, I, I didn't 
feel all excited and zippity-doo-dah, just like, I just can't deny this. And man, what does this mean? It's just it's scary. But I just said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to have to obey. And, and, you know, money was the huge obstacle for me because I was like, I can't, you know, I'm stepping into something that I can't control uh, or afford or anything. And, and I just said, okay, Lord, open these doors. And I still remember saying, it's okay if you close them, but, you know, open these doors, but I will move forward. Yeah. And then I made a video and showed it that Christmas. And I think the next day we had the application at the oh, agency. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And uh, we got, uh, we saw Talia's face um, six, months six months later. And we looked and we knew she was our baby girl. And uh, Talia was born with a cleft lip and palate. And when we, uh, when we saw her, we, at first we didn't know that, we didn't realize that the Lord was going to bring her with a child with a cleft lip and pot. That, that was a need that scared us. It's so hard when you look at this list, you're like, I don't know. I mean, you no, know, I mean, you all, just, all of it's intimidating because by God's grace, we've had four healthy kids and we never had to go through that. So now we're like, and that's the hardest thing about yeah. adoption is an agency will say, what will you accept? What will you want? Well, you don't get to do that hmm. when God, places a baby in your belly. So that to me, in a way that feels like you're playing God, but they make you do it. So, well, that wasn't originally what we had chosen, but I remember our agency calling and saying, look, I know that that's not on your list, but I have this, this file, this little girl. And I was like, yes, we want to see it. Yes, yes, yes. Like the spear just took over. I mean, it was like, took over. I remember yelling to him, they're sending a file. I was excited, but again, hesitant just because, you know, how just the business transaction side and, and, um, you know, trying to, trying to think logically. Um, but I I was nervous. I I love kids, you know, and and it was one of those things where, you know, we, we ended up traveling in December with our oldest daughter at the time. And, um, one thing, it's funny, I, I, I prayed for, you know, travel and safety and so forth. One thing I, I did not pray for at the time was the connecting with my daughter. I just mm-hmm. said, oh, that'll come naturally because I can just, you know, through, through, through laughter or something. And yeah. And mm-hmm. the two weeks in China and six months home, I was just almost a bystander because she was afraid of me. She had, I never had a, a man figure, a father figure in her life. And, you know, it really was a picture of how God relentlessly pursues our hearts and just how he never gave up in pursuing her heart. And no matter how many times that little baby girl rejected him and how heartbreaking it was for him, uh, he never gave up. And it was to me such a picture from, for me of how God truly, even in the times that we turn away and we reject and we walk away, he never stops chasing us down. And, um, it was such a beautiful, man, gotcha day, her coming in. She was the last one to come in the civil affairs office and bundled up and, you know, crying her eyes out. And it was just one of those it's things. Not, where, it's not a romantic uh, moment. It's a very broken moment. You are, your, your child does not know that they're coming into something that's good for them. All they know is they're being taken away from everything they know. So it is pure, it's pure trauma from their perspective, from our perspective, we're like, oh, you know, we got you. But there's crying and screaming and wailing. And, um, and but, but to experience this firsthand, yeah. I'm like, there is almost nothing more beautiful. No, it's labor and delivery. Because that love, it's, it's, an, immediate, it's an immediate thing. I mean, I can't and say I that, that in every case, yeah. but, but, but in, in this case, it was just, 
even as hard as it was in a way being a bystander, I'm looking at this little girl saying, I can't believe she's my daughter. Mm. And surreal, you know, and we had our, our, our oldest daughter, 14 year, years old with us and mm. Oh, 12. Mm. That's right. And she just, I mean, full force, her heart dove in and just, they were best friends immediately. One of the things that I th- think is so profound that you have mentioned. And I wonder if you can educate us because this is really cool to even be educated on right now. Just that gotcha moment that you described. Like I would not have thought that it would have been uh, the climate of that would have, would have been like that. You know, I just, I don't know what I picture in my head, but yeah, that that's very educating. But can you also just kind of like step back and, and educate us on, you mentioned the orphan crisis Right, and one of those aspects I know, and we'll dive into this a little bit more because of the uh, the depths of your story is the you know orphans who are also in some ways handicapped. Yeah, um, that's special one aspect of it. Special needs, yes, exactly. Can can you kind of educate us on the when you said orphan crisis? What do you mean by that? What did you guys learn? And you know, to what degree are, do you see? You know, children like Talia, who yes. have everything from a cleft lip to right. Beyond. We, to, we were led to China um, when we were praying about where to adopt from. I mean, there's an orphan crisis all over the world. Millions of of children who are without uh, parents, without families. And when we were praying about where the Lord to lead us, He told us in so many in so many ways. He led us to China. Hmm. China. Their orphan crisis um, comes from the root of, of just a system that's broken in China where, you know, a lot of people think that these children are abandoned for reasons of, you know, we want just a girl or we want only one perfect child. And, and that's not the case. Um, these children are abandoned because of a huge sacrifice of love that their parents have done because what they are not able to do is pay for the surgeries, the life-saving mm-hmm. surgeries, the, the surgeries to correct, the surgeries so that that cleft child can eat and can survive. And um, there's also pressure, there's generational pressure that also comes into play. Um, and what happens is the narrative, the way a lot of people see it is they, they see it as, oh, that's, I can't believe they could do that. But in reality, what they're doing is the greatest sacrifice because they are giving up their child so that that child can receive medical care that they're not able to because the insurance system is it's not like in America. You know, if we don't ever worry when our child is born sick or hurt or gets hurt or is an accident, we know that our child will get care immediately and we can worry about paying that later. That is such a gift that not every country has, not every family has. And when these children are born and they're the, these parents are surprised and they are aware of their needs, they have to, they have to have, they have this decision, this weighty decision of what do we do? We, and, you know, and with being in the culture of China adoptions for the last decade, you know, there is, there is story after story of these birth parents who, did not want to make that, did not want to do that. And it's, it, what it is, is it's, it's brokenness and it's not supposed to be this way. And when God is asking us to, to adopt, he's not asking us to rescue because he's the only rescuer. Hmm. He's asking us to 
come, he's inviting us in to the brokenness and to walk with them. And you're not saving them from a broken story. You're walking into it and you are carrying pain with them. You're carrying broken with them. You're carrying a sorrow, a grief that they will, will carry for the rest of their life. And so, you know, I think that so often adopt, are, are heralded as, as heroes. And uh, a lot of us in the adoption community, we, we sort of shun that because, first of all, we are definitely messy I, people. I tell people, who we're are, just weak, messy people yeah. that said yes. I mean, right. that, that's it. And, and that's, and, you know, we're, we're, we're just sinful people, messy people. Man, th- that, that... We're unqualified when oh, it comes gosh, down to it. We're not, we're unqualified, but where we have seen the incredibleness of God is that he has met us in the places of our weakness. And when, when he invites us, we have the option to say no, Mm. but every time we look back and we're like, look what we would have missed. Look what we would have missed by not walking into the story. Peter, you know, walking on the water. That's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And it's like, I feel so many times I'm like, Okay, I've jumped out of the boat four times. It's scary every single time. And, and it's when you keep your eyes on the Lord is, is when you, know, you feel most at peace. There's big waves out in the deep. Man, there's so much more miracles than the safe shores, right? The you know, waves hitting your ankles and it's safe and secure out there. But when you're out there in the deep, um, you know, and this is the first time in my life, you know, back in 2012, you know, uh, 11, 11, 12, when it's the first time I've truly stepped out in faith and actually said, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I bring nothing to the table, none of my experience, strength or anything. Mm. And it was such an life altering moment of faith to say, I've, I've never experienced this type of faith in a way. Reliance, uh, on, yeah, reliance on the Lord, because I just did almost casual, <laughs> comfortable Christianity up to that point where, you know, focus on the meat and, you know, uh, and Bible studies and so forth, but never, you know, putting yourself in a situation. And one thing that's been, you know, resonating with me and, and kind of what I tell, you know, my, my group of guys that, that, that I minister to is just what in your, in your life requires faith. And if you can't answer that, then, then maybe you are <laughs> a little too comfortable. You know, maybe you are, you know, um, you taking that comfortable, casual Christianity. But and I feel like the, I feel like it comes down to the point where are we willing to be broken, to be remade? And so often we are so self-protective of our children, our home, our family. And it's such this, I don't want to mess it up, you know, and what God is inviting us into is he's inviting us, inviting us into this sacred sorrow, these stories of sorrow so that we can see redemption. And it's something that he does. And we get, we get to be bear witness to it. And I, I just, I feel like he uses the brokenness to wreck us, to draw us in. But then he says, then he asks us, will you come and walk in this? And, and it's, to me, it's such an incredible, humbling honor that he would ask, he doesn't need us, but he asks us to, to walk into these children's stories and to hold their hearts, you know, because their story is not supposed to be this way. Mm. And this is, you know, this is the result of a broken world, but this is also God redeeming and he's using, and he's using our yes 
to show his redemption. And I'm just blown away. I'm blown away that he would call weak, unqualified you know, people to, yeah. to, to such beautiful miracles and joy and, mm-hmm. and hard and hard. And, and I, I think it's easier painful, where I was throughout this point. It's easier to, to pray for the orphan. It's easier to maybe put $35 a month to the orphan and you know, pray for this little face on the postcard. Um, but when you see them face to face, when you know their names, when when when, when you hold them, mm. you're accountable for 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 for, for that. You're, you're yeah. you should be their advocate now. And that was one of the things where it's like, okay, you know, going on a short term missions trip and and helping the orphan. But then one thing that I think most people just rather not is is that my child? Am, am, am I called to you know, or should I go do that? And I. I it's it's easier not to go there. It's just easier, you know, it's just sit there and say, I have my, you know, one, two, three, four, however many kids, and yeah. and uh, I, I have control on where I'm at, you right. know, and it, it is scary to to release control, but you know, yeah, yeah. but it's wow. so incredibly exciting too, because once you release, then it's like, man, anything is possible, because the story is yours, God, and I, I've had to blow my box up so that you can recreate uh, what you want for us and. I, um, when we came home with Tali, well, we, when we were in China, we, we had a feeling that we would be coming back. I never shared at that time. You I just said, it is such a beautiful thing. Let me just focus on this now. But, you know, I, I could see us coming back. But I never said anything and never focused on it after that. It was just, you know, we're home for, for 18 months. And we ended up going to um, – uh, May of 2013 to a show hope down in Tennessee, you know, 10 year anniversary type thing. And, um, and we just said, okay, let's, we, we can, our hearts are open to adoption again, you know, and a month later we're at our anniversary going out to dinner and we're just like, let's, let's just pull, let, let, let's move forward. You know? And I was in the, t- at that time, uh, heavily involved in advocating for uh, orphans because one thing I've seen is that God uses when we, when we are able to invite people to come in and, and, and show them, introduce these children to them, introduce their stories, and, and invite them to pray, there are miracles that happen when someone starts praying for a child. I mean, miracles in their own heart, miracles in that child's life. And so simply by saying, will you pray for this child? And will you help me find a home for this child? And it, 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 truly, it truly is the catalyst for powerful stuff. And I started getting heavily involved in advocating. And in that advocating journey, I was introduced to children who have, who were born with uh, cardiac heart defects, uh, CHD. And I walked um, a prayer journey with a friend and who also lived in Maryland, whose daughter was getting a transplant and, and died before, um, well, died in surgery. And it, it wrecked me. I, our, our whole family was praying for little Teresa. And uh, it, when, you be, when you let your heart just be completely on the altar and praying for someone to be broken with them, there is just something supernatural that happens that you are letting go of your self-protective nature and you're giving it to God. And what happened through that breaking was the seed of, of the seed of just, 
I was wrecked for these children with heart defects because I said, these children are going to die if they're not able to get their surgeries, if they're not able to get home. And again, God uses that brokenness to draw us out. But then what he does is he has an invitation. And, uh, and, and we were alluding to the fact that once you see a face and you, you're, you're asked, will you go? You, you can't just close your eyes. And it takes me back to Proverbs 24, 12, which was one of our theme verses in our second adoption. It says, once our eyes are opened, we cannot pretend we do not know what to do. God who weighs our hearts and keeps our souls knows we know and holds us responsible to act. Mm. And I, that just puts the fear of God in me, if anything. Uh, because when you know, you can't act like you don't know. When your eyes have seen such brokenness, you can't just go on with your American dream life. And, and so I, we were unified about adoption, but mm -hmm. then I came to him and I said, well, I feel like it's going to be a heart baby. Oh, Davey. I was, I was not prepared for that one. <laughs> you know, and she brought me this little girl, this file, and she was just head over heels for, and with all honesty, I, I you know, I, I wanted at this time, you know, saying this child, you know, but I didn't want her situation, especially as my sixth kid. Well, Gianna was born with a half heart. She um, had a half heart anatomy and her, her system was working on a half heart system. And so she, she was going, she had, she had surgery, one surgery in China, which was life-saving. And she was uh, at that point uh, taken in by a foster home, which we didn't know at that time. And she was going to need multiple surgeries. Uh, to sustain. You know, it's crazy when you see just childlike faith in your kids and they're like, yeah, why not? I'm like, you just don't understand. Like, mm. and I really did not want to bring grief into the home. Yeah, you know, there was this heart, I mean, the heart and brain, right? The two things that you, you need, and, and especially, and um, you know, what if, what if, what if, and I did not want to bring grief. That's something at that point in time, you know, God, I felt protected from for, you know, mm. many, many, many years and my whole life really. And, um, so I just struggled. We went on a little small vac family vacation and I just was tortured because I'm the one it's, it's again, it's on my shoulders. I just didn't want to be asked to be honest with you. I didn't want to have to make this decision. And, and meanwhile, I got everyone praying. I'm like, you got to pray because I know she's our child and, and it's fear, you know, it's fear that, that, that is keeping him paralyzed. And I knew that that was not from God. I was so con convicted to, to pray that this warfare just be go away because it was warfare. And uh, it hmm. came down to, and again, during this time, uh, you know, I'm still struggling with this. Yeah, I, I stepped out. Can we just have cleft lip again? That was intimidating, but we went through it. It's something I know. And now I just... And there were times that he just got mad. He's like, why? Why am I being asked this? Like, it's just too much. And in those moments, I just kind of put my arms up. I'm like, God, you, you have to do this. Like, I can only nag and plead and so much. And, and he just, God just kept telling me, you need to get out of the way. And you need to let me speak uh, to my son. And so up until this point, this is the most profound time with my relationship with the Lord in moments, in moments of my life because she came to me and said, we have to give back her file tomorrow. It's either we pursue her or give it back. And it's about midnight. And I just said, 
her Bible was right there. So give me your Bible and just leave me alone. And it's the fir- first time I've ever done this. And I went to the kitchen and fell to my knees. I'm like, Jesus. And I just said, Lord, my answer is no. Hold up the Bible. Unless you tell me right now, yes. Mm. So I open up and she's reading Gideon. It's all highlighted. I said, that's not fair. She was reading that. And then I, <laughs> I, I jumped to the Romans and I just see the word repent. And I'm like, man, my lack of faith. I mean, you've done it before. But you got to be kidding me. Like, this is, this is hard. This is heart surgery. This is this stuff, you know. Why would we enter into this? But and everywhere through it, go to Isaiah, for I will be with you. I will strengthen you. I'll hold you with the righteous right hand. I will, everywhere was, I will be with you. I will strengthen you. I will never leave you. And Davey, let me tell you, I've never experienced this up to that point. 100% every ounce of fear was, was left. Logically, I could talk to you that I don't understand what's, what was, what's happening. I don't know what's around the corner, but it was like the numbness of fear. Like I, I didn't feel it anymore. And lots of tears. Well, um, I, he called me in and he basically said, let's run to our child. I lost it because here was a miracle. A literal mountain moved. A literal mountain moved right in front of my eyes. And God is so big. He is so big. And he is, greater is he than is us than he that is in the world. And uh you know, fear could have, we could have missed her. When pain comes into our lives, it's easy to want to avoid it, bury it, or run away from it. But if you've listened to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast for any amount of time, you would know that none of these approaches to dealing with pain actually end in purpose. Most of our guests have gone through long healing journeys that oftentimes involve counseling, which is why we've partnered with an incredible online worldwide organization called Faithful Counseling, who provides virtual counseling with licensed therapists who are certified by their state's board. If you're seeking traditional mental health counseling but would prefer hearing from a Christian perspective, Faithful Counseling may be a great option for you. Once you are matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, you can connect with them anytime via your computer, tablet, or mobile phone, through video calls, phone calls, or even text messaging. They also have weekly groupinar sessions where members can learn in a group environment with a counselor. Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource in your healing journey. It costs $65 per week, and financial aid is available to those who qualify, which you can apply for during the sign-up process. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. If you sign up through that link only, you will receive 10% off your first month of counseling for being a part of the Nothing is Wasted family. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. Now, back to our interview. Now, Gianna was also uh from china as well is that correct so you guys took the trip took the trek to china again yeah we found out in the time that we were waiting for her that she was in a christian foster home and this blew our minds so we actually were able through a missionary who was working there at the time to be connected to the family there Mm. and we were able to skype with her and and sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star to our daughter all the way across the world while we were waiting for her. We got to see her first steps. I mean, 
this stuff doesn't happen. And it was like, God was continuing to say, I know, I know that this was a hard jump, but look, look how I'm just going to roll out these miracles. This is going to be the story. And I was convinced that we, with every miracle, there was going to be another one. And, uh, you know, May, May, 2014, Gianna's two and a half. We travel and we, we just made the, the step of faith that we took the whole family, all five kids at the time. And, and my parents and my parents went with us. So talk about a, uh, you know, moving the crowds over there. Uh, it was, it was crazy traveling with so many people, but. Oh yeah. We got all the stairs, all the, yeah. all the phones, all the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and actually Gianna was, um, her foster mom, Lily brought her to the airport to meet us. And we actually got to serve in her foster home for five days before, you know, gotcha day. Um, yeah, Lily, uh, Lily brought Gianna into the foster home when Gianna was recovering from her first surgery and very sick and weak. And the orphanage had said, can you take care of her? And Lily brought her in and, and basically saved her life. And Gianna was born without a spleen. So that made, and she was born with a condition uh, that made her, her, her system was very different. It, she had things missing. Heterotaxy is the condition. But one of the things is she was missing a spleen. So she was very vulnerable to sickness. And she came down in the time that she was with them, she came down with bacterial meningitis and she was hospitalized. We were learning all this after we had said yes. And we were learning her story as we were speaking to um, her, her foster family she had fought for two months in the hospital, post-heart surgery, um, surviving from bacterial meningitis. And, uh, and I had gotten a picture from another family who had traveled there, another missionary family, of just a group, a group praying over her hospital bed. <laughs> and it's still, it just, it, man, you just realize in that moment, God, you have invited me into something very sacred. Mm. And we are just, it was humbling to, to be able to see peaks of her story, which the story doesn't start with adoption. That's something that we often forget. We think that a child's story starts, but their story doesn't start there. We're entering their story. And to get peaks of her story and how the Lord had saved her, had, had miraculously done mighty works in her life and to be learning that along the way. So when we got to China, Lily was there at the airport yeah. and, and usually you don't meet your child till gotcha yeah. day. You usually have some time and then you go to the civil affairs office, but we got to meet her and go to her foster home and spend a week there getting to know her and serving her siblings and, 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 and hugging on her nannies and just beautiful, rare stuff that again does not happen. And and actually, this was an amazing gotcha day because she just walks in. She knew who we were. Yeah, she just really kind of stuck out. And, and there really wasn't much initial grief grief time. But it also helped that we had many kids there of ourselves with distractions. And, and I think that the Lord continued to remind us that we were in a we were in a place where we needed to continue to rely on him. When we got to the foster home, uh, Gianna had to go back in the hospital. And, you know, it was in that moment that we said, reality check. Yeah. You know, we're like, Lord, we really don't feel qualified, but wow, that you chose us. Like, it's just a continued hum humble, humbling, all moment of that you would choose us, mm. you know? And, and people say, she's so lucky. No, we are the lucky ones. Like 
we are the blessed ones. And so yeah, we come home, enjoy the summer. And uh, oh, man, just she is she's just a sassy, fun, spunky girl who just ruled the roost. Yeah. You know, I mean, Gianna just she was the queen of the castle. And now, how, we, everyone, how old was she? At, how old was she at the time? This summer, two and yeah, and, two and, and only um only two years difference from Talia, okay. and they just became best friends right away, right there in China, and uh, just yeah. joy. So you know, knowing that she would need another heart surgery, we start going to a couple hospitals and getting multiple, um, you know, two. advice and so forth, and and ended up saying we need to go up to Boston, which is about six hours from us, and. And during this time, you know, there's some personal stuff, you know, with me with work and some other things that was just financially, uh, spiritually, everything just be probably one of the most stressful times of my life, which actually about nine months now, uh, nine months of this um, during her surgeries. And um, we decided to go up to Boston and, and. And they told us what they would be able to do is rebuild her heart to be a mm, full working heart yeah. with prosthetic parts. And it was a choice that we decided to take in faith. And so we, we drove up to Boston and Gianna got her surgery. She was on the ventilator uh, for many weeks and it was a very tough recovery. She came out and needed another open heart surgery, came out of that and needed another open heart surgery. It was three open heart surgeries within six weeks. She needed a valve and needed a uh pacemaker and I'm going back and forth on the weekends, you know, with the kids and And meanwhile um, our church is coming around us. You know, it's it, you can't do adoption alone. Mm. You just you can't this is not a this is not a single a single mission. This is a mission of the village of the church. And six weeks later we're home right before Christmas and Yeah, miracles. Yeah, I mean yeah. Gianna Gianna walked out of that hospital and uh it was just incredibly Amazing again, you get a front row seat to something that you hadn't all you your part was just praying on your knees at the bedside that God would save your child. And, and you're um, seeing this little girl thrive, right? You're seeing this girl like, wow, look what we just I can't believe we just went through three heart surgeries, but look at her and you see the pacemaker kind of like sticking out of her belly. A little, a little, box. Bit, yeah, a little box. You call it her heart box. But just full of life. I mean, she just kind of ruled our house in the way. Ugh, seeing her thrive so and you know, we're six, seven months now, post-surgery, a little over a year home, and you know, once or twice is, hey, you going to adopt again? You know, we've always said, listen, we're just, we've just learned to say, never say never. I, I want to be open to what the Lord has, whether, you know, um, whether I'm 70 years old or, or, or even now, like, I always want to say, Lord, what do you have for me? Because I think, you know, um, seen so many stories of, of, hey, when we get to this point, we can relax. I, I never want to get back and say, look what, I, look what I've done for the Lord. I want to say, look what I've continued doing and, mm. and have that open heart. Um, so I always joke around and say, listen, if we, if, if, here's big capital letters, if we ever adopt again, it would be a boy. Like I'm tapped out on girls, right? You know, <laughs> and, but again, I, you know, I, I just started a new job and, you know, uh, we, we were put our house on the market. I mean, a lot of these stressful, you know, uh, markers, and we put the house on the market. Uh, Gianna's stable. You know, it, yes. it, she, she, she's doing good. She's healthy. And we're like, hey, surgeries are behind us. Maybe when she outgrows this valve, but in the future, it's right. really far, far ahead. So, uh, you know, she she comes to me. And, and again, I'm, I'm 
just in my opinion, it's kind of starting to feel free. Like, you know, you know we're going to move kind of exciting, but it's just stressful stuff. And she brings me this you know, picture of this little boy. I wasn't even looking in all fairness. I got to say this again was God really just kind of like, what are you doing? God? I was, because I've been in the advocate advo- advocacy community, I often go on the board. We have an advocacy board and you check in and the children you've been advocating for, you go and you catch up on who's gotten a family, who still needs um, just to be uh, advocated for and, and, and spoken about and shared and prayed for. And I was scrolling and there's this face that jumped out. Man, I was like, I'm looking at my son. What? And I texted a gentleman in our life who was an incredible mentor who walked by us, Jim. And I said, you've got to pray for me and Brian right now, because I don't know what God's doing, but he literally just said that you just saw your son to me. And I don't know what it is. Am I crazy? Maybe, but just pray. <laughs> and um, yeah, we're only home a little over a year with Gianna, you know, six, seven months post-op. But again, I was not, you know, yeah, I might've been open to adoption sometime in the future. Let's, let's, buy, let's get the new house. Let's get the new budget. But wait, wait, wait. By saying yes to him, we have to buy a new vehicle. We're, we're tapped out on our, you know, Honda Odyssey. And I haven't had the car payment in five years. I don't want, you know, extra burdens, you know, uh, on top of the adoption. You know, no, 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 no. And All the reasons to say no. It's, but then, listen, God takes me back to, you know, the, the two previous times and the faith walks. And, and I remember sitting there and it was so loud and clear, man. It was, okay, 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 fine. But what's your excuse going to be next year if you wait? When you have your life in order, when you're comfortable, when you feel like you can handle it and afford it and manage it, then what's going to be your excuse? And I just sat there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm looking at Hudson's spina bifida, dextrocardia means hearts to the right. You know, he had two thumbs. One was removed. And he had spina bifida surgery at five years old. And it's like ah, a new, another new special need. What does this mean? Who is this? What is this? But I just sat there and said, you know what? He's, he's a soul. He's not a special he, need. He's, he's a child. I said, I knew I was open to adoption. I knew I was open to a boy. Okay. And I just sat there in the parking lot in front of a party supply store. It's Hudson's sixth birthday. So it was his birthday. Six birthdays in the orphanage. And I just sat there and said, okay, Lord, like, I'm just learning to surrender. And it was almost like not even out of the body experience, like walking in, buying the balloons, and I'm sitting at my door to go inside with the balloons to say, hey, let's wish your brother a happy birthday. And we're going out, you know, you have a new brother. And everyone starts cheering, yay, yay. And, uh, you know, we're, we just start talking about, we're going back to China. We're going back to China and our family's growing. And, and again, you're like, what are you doing, God? But you know what? This is a wild ride, so buckle up. And we've released control to you a long time ago. And this is not... Our story, this is not our plans, but he's... And again, you get the stares. You get the rude comments. Hey, you can't adopt them all. Hey, you do this. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and it's those people that, that just don't understand. And, and you want, you know, it, it's, it is sometimes hard to come across because you don't want to be judging. Like, well, you know, where's your stuff? Where's this? But you just want them to see what you've seen, experience what you've yeah. experienced. Because when you are over there, when you are seeing this, you know, and during this time I've led many yeah, missions trips to Nicaragua with my church and, and 
just when you get those people's experience to say, break out of your comfort zone and see them face to face. You just want others to experience that. Yeah. And, you know, we entered into a very scary time during this, you know, 11 month uh, journey is Gianna's having a hard time breathing. We're going to the ER a couple of times. And while we were in Florida yeah. at Disney world and, uh, you know, she's enjoying it. But meanwhile, she's just going downhill and, you know, you're like, God, what are you doing? Like, so we get home and take her into the doctors right away. And they're like, you know, she's, she's, she's gaining fluid and we think her heart's struggling. And we, you know, we were, were, she was placed in medicine, but what happened was she had to go into the hospital immediately. And uh, she went into our local children's hospital and she spent two weeks there, but because you know, they said, listen, her valve's failing, she needs a new valve. And because of how complex her heart is, she needs to get back up to Boston. She needs to be airlifted there. And, and you know, it's another Thanksgiving, you know, second Thanksgiving home that she's in the hospital. It was with. a year, exactly year to the date from when she had her first set of heart surgeries with us. Many miracles just to get the air flight to Boston, but we get there. Um, she gets a, you know, a valve and it ends up being a mechanical valve, which makes her on blood thinners, needing to be on blood thinners. Um, you know, that's all new. We're like, yeah. what is this? You know, but hey, praise the Lord, she's safe. We thought we were going to lose her. I mean, the Lord just, his mercy overflowed. And even the doctors were like, you know, wow, you know, she made it through. She's got this mechanical valve and it's going to take a learning curve to to keep her protected on this and safe. And, but she is, she's alive, you know, she's yeah. alive. And I can't, she, I can't tell you this, the, the incredible, you're just, you you throw yourself to your knees, your arms in the air and you're just like, thank you, Jesus, for sparing my child. And it's, just, you know, it's scary, but if, if I'm all honest, I, I kind of was in a way naive through this because I'm sitting there thinking, of course he's going to save her. He wouldn't have called us out to, 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 you know, have anything bad happen. I mean, of course he's going to save her. He did it last year. He'll do it again. And not, not, not a blind, like, Oh, look at his faith. It's just, it was kind of just like, well, I, I guess I've never thought of anything negative in a way. Uh, but she comes home again, a couple of days before Christmas and, yeah. and then New Year's Eve, she kind of goes unresponsive and ends up having a brain bleed. You know, and then she's in the hospital for you know New Year's Eve through another couple of weeks, and uh, we're, we're finally, finally getting through you know um, some stability there, and and um, you know, her passing tests and so forth, and we uh, getting to the point a couple of weeks out from from um, she's recovering. We're just learning literally every day just to you know trust and get on our knees to pray for not just for her but just for her health and for us and the wisdom and. You know, um, so meanwhile, the Lord really had to continue to remind us that he didn't need to remind us. It was very clear that each day was a gift oh, because yeah. here we were with a fragile brain that the doctors were, were like, you know, her brain could could hemorrhage again. So she needs to be wearing this helmet. You need to be very careful. She's on these, she's on these blood thinners, but she's got the, the risk of hemorrhaging. And so we were... It, it's surreal. We're walking this delicate balance of life and we know that mm. every day is a gift. And that is something that you can't talk someone, you can't mm. verbally talk about until you experience that when you're taking a picture of your child smiling, you know that picture 
is a true miracle. And so I, we, we, are, we have so many pictures of Gia because literally she was the most photographed child in all the world because every moment that she would run, hold an animal, feed her baby goat, giggle, swing, it was a miracle, yeah. a literal miracle. And um, so we were then ready to go get Hudson. <laughs> we took him to the doctors when we got home and the trip was, was great. Got home and, and he had a clean bill of health. Really, he says, "Hey, spina bifida is, is you know only come back if it's a concern." And his heart was not going to need surgery. There would be he would be immunocompromised in certain ways, but his heart was stable. And we were just well, we such found, relief. We such found relief. out it's not just dextrocardia where the right the heart's to the right. Everything's flipped, situs inversus. So yeah. very few like. People usually don't see that, but everything inside, all the organs are flipped. So he thinks it's really funny that when he says the pledge, he has, he's going to use his other hand because yeah. his hands on the, his heart's on the other side. Um, so <laughs> we uh, we get home a month later. We moved to our farmette you know, four years ago, and, and uh, I think we were just looking for some rest at that point. Yeah. Now we were we're, we're in two thousand seventeen now, and we're at the place for a year, year and a half uh, at the farmette, and just. Free of hospitals for yeah. we we got to the point where he had not been in a hospital for a year and we were like, I Thank was, you, God, woo. like this is amazing. And and we were seeing her grow. We were seeing Gia thrive. She was running. She was her hair was growing. She she was eating, she was catching up to Hudson and height. I and, mean, and her the, the, feet the, were the miracles were not lost on us. No. And, 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 and we would sit there and just every time, I mean, we just, I just saw her and she just melt my heart every single time, every time I see her. <laughs> we, we, we would laugh because Gia, I mean, uh, like I said, Gia rules the roost. And so when any other kid would bust through our, our bedroom door, we're like, you have to knock, go back out. You need to knock. But when Gia would come, we're like, oh, okay, it's Gia. Gia, you know? <laughs> I mean, uh, she just. I, I did tell Johanna says, you do realize one of these days we have to discipline her, right? <laughs> like we, we have to, you know. No, uh, she's too cute. You just couldn't, you just couldn't. But uh, I remember doing this Bible study by Bonnie Gray called Whispers of Rest. And in that, it kept saying, are you ready to bloom and grow? And will you, will you allow God to grow you? And, um, <laughs> and I just share that because the theme from that moment on was, am I gonna, are we going to let God grow us? And so we, um, January came, February came. March came, Gia is again thriving. We got baby goats. She's bottle feeding baby goats. I mean, it's just new, cool yeah. things. Yeah. And that was her dream, by the way. Her bucket, one of her bucket list dreams was to get baby goats. And again, one of those things where God tells you to do something, you realize it's because He's seeing a bigger picture and preparing you. Uh, I remember telling Brian, we got to get baby goats. Gia wants baby goats. <laughs> I just learned. I could say no all the time. She's going to do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you got your farm at, you need your baby goods. Um, but it was just beautiful, beautiful memories. And the end of March came along. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's day before my mom's 70th birthday. And we make these videos. And I come home from work. And Gianna's a little under the weather. And she's clammy. And, um, and this, was, this was flu season, uh, stomach virus season. And she um, had thrown up. And I... Uh, I called the doctor immediately and her team said, you know, this is a virus and check her INR, which is a way to check her blood, uh, her thinness of her blood and make sure that that is 
We okay. Do that every and week. Every week we're checking. We, do that. we should get pricks every week. She's so brave. And you know, we we did everything they said to do. And Gianna She would throw up and spit up and then back bounce to normal. back, 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 back you know, bounce back and you know, we'll kind of go through the day and and um whew. and they said, you know, check back with us in the morning. If she's not better, bring her in. Yeah. And I look back on that and I, you know, you could cite you could there, spin uh, downward of all the what ifs you should have done. There's lots of what ifs, but at night, you know, she we decided, hey, you know what, sleep in our bed. And she's kind of sleeping in my section. And I said, because Gia needs her own yeah, like bed, like yeah. side. Like she's I, like, she, I said, are, she are kicks you, daddy out. I said, are you sleeping in daddy's spot? She's like, yes. And okay. And I you know, gave her a kiss and I said, fine, go. You know, and I went down on the couch. And we both ended up falling asleep. And the next thing I knew is Gia had sat up. And she needed to throw up again. And so I run and get a bowl and um, she's throwing up and I'm over there and I'm like rubbing her back. I'm like, it's okay, baby. It's okay. And she passes out and she goes unconscious and I, I scoop her up. And I think just the Lord had to carry me downstairs because I don't know how I got down there. I have, I just remember shouting, Jesus, Jesus saved, Jesus saved. I knew that she was just completely unconscious and I didn't know what was happening. I thought I was carrying my dead child. But we go to this one hospital and they stabilize her in a way. But I remember when we were transferring her to the children's hospital, the doctor's like, I don't know what's wrong. Literally, you can't even wrap your mind around it because what happened before there was a slow, a slow sort of progression of heart failure. But this was that it felt like it yeah. was a thief in the night that took my baby and she's unconscious this whole time and they decided she, to put her on ECMO, yeah, which is a life life support. And meanwhile, they're talking to Boston about how to get her there to to try and save her life. And I see a rainbow on my way to Boston and I'm like, there it is. There's my promise. And uh it's just those moments where God breaks in. He breaks into the chaos and he says, I am near. And I see, and I've not let go. I've, I'm, I'm holding her. And I needed to see those tangible evidences of God breaking through the literal darkness. You know, she gets there on the Friday and they get stabilized her and she has surgery that Monday. And the doctor comes in and says, heart, heart surgery was success, new valve. Her heart looks 10 out of 10, but her lungs are filled with blood and we can't control it. We had had this Facebook board, which we had called Journey to Gianna, and I changed later, later to Miracles and Mountain Moving when we had gone and adopted Hudson. And um, I, I turned it into public and I said, I need prayer because Gia, she's dying and they're trying to save her life. And I just, I need you to pray. And oh my word, just the way God multiplied her prayer army. It was yeah. tens of thousands of people who just came around and just carried us and prayed and Dave, we're, t we're at the hospital for three weeks and they're trying many things and, and she had multiple surgeries and, and not surgery but like well, just going down the bronchoscopies and uh let me just tell you um our, our room was filled that basically had to tell us we, we couldn't bring all this these gifts but our every day we're have the, the these just fluttered with gifts and, i mean you know, she got these mail carts that were mail carts filled <laughs> It, it, it was just the love Ugh. nationwide. A college friend I haven't seen in 20 years. The local church there came and just would pray over us. Um, it, it was just it, people would bring meals or gift cards and just, just, just being carried through this. But again, throughout this, I'm like, 
you, he's going to figure it out. But then you see doubt, you know, you see doubt on some of these doctors and, oh, yeah. and they're like, Hey, we're going for a catheterization. And Johanna's just saying, you're going to see something. We have, well, they told us, they said, you know, we need to go in and, and we need to figure out what we're going to do. And we need to do a cath to, to see if we can figure out why her lungs will not stop bleeding. And she's bleeding from the inside out and we need to go in and find it. And I said, well, you're going in, but just so you know, there was an army praying and you're going to go and you're going to see something and it's going to blow your mind. I can tell you that right now. And he called me, her surgeon called us from the surgery OR room. And he said, you said we would see something and we found the bleeders. We found the bleeders and yeah, just miracles. Like I told, I listen, I saw, I told you, you would see God and, and just and the I'm way just God like, works yes, through. He's doing it again. Boom. Let's do it. You know? <laughs> and that became the theme song. Yeah. Do it again. And, uh, you know, it was just this continual, continual tension of one step ahead, five steps back. And I remember the doctors and the cardiologists, they kept saying, we are stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. And I said, well, I have a God who made that rock. And I have a God who says that nothing is impossible and he's going to move this mountain. And I got to tell you that that was, that hope is what carried us. And it's how yeah. we pray. And it's really hard when they come and they say, we talked about Gianna at our nationwide conference and no one has ever seen this presentation. He, he basically said that there's the new valve, it clotted. And he says, that's never happened before. A, a biological valve is a clot. Like, like it, and he just said, you know, we're, we're kind of baffled. But, you know, we're at the hospital for three and a half weeks now. And um, the next day we're at this Hail Mary plan to, to, to go to the surgery and remove a lung. And we get this phone call and, uh, from the nurse saying, you know, we're, we're going through this mail. I mean, hundreds of pieces of mail and, and, and um, for people across the nation. And we get the message saying, get up here now. She has a massive brain bleed. Mm. We get up there. Neurologist is there. And they take us to this room. And gosh, David, it should have been a padded room. With the whole team saying, there's nothing we can do. And it was as if everything turned 180. They were just minutes before saying, we got this. We're going to, we're going to go and save her. We're going to try to looking me square in the eye, shaking something a mom, dad never, ever want to hear is there's nothing more we can do. And, uh, let me tell you, that's another panic attack and just almost collapsed. And, you know, because now it's reality, right? It's, it's not something they're, they're saying there's no more hope. And, oh, my gosh. Um, and I remember, you know, the Lord just at that point had to carry us. It was as if he was in the fire with us. And they had to make the hardest phone call home. We and they brought. told my dad, get get the family up here now. She's still in life support. Pretty much they're saying that's the only thing keeping her alive. And the family gets up there the next day and, and something no parent should have to do is tell their kids that their sibling is not going to make it. And, um, and Gia's life, you know, we, all, we often wonder why that three-week fight for this. Yeah. But in that three weeks, God gathered people from all over the world to see her miracles. And they were getting ready to witness the greatest miracle that 
none of us can do on earth is, is he was going to heal her in a way that the doctors couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And it was the most peaceful moment, but yet the most slaying wretched moment of our life. Mm-hmm. When Gia three days later, it's, it's uh, coming up on midnight um, and uh, on Saturday night. And like I said, prayers all over the world. And they came in and said, it's time. And it's midnight, April 22nd. And we had been shouting to Gia all her favorite things. We didn't know that this would, but her heart rate, everything started to go up and and the doctor's nurse said, she hears you. And then the Lord took her into heaven. And in that Mm -hmm. moment, there's really no other way to explain it, except that you realize you are at the gate of heaven and you are in a moment where you're, you're bleeding, but you're literally on holy ground. A weird peace laying there standing there and just you know, we're praying and there's worship music and it's just like we just started singing and uh, how can you sit there and sing and trust me there's a zillion tears afterwards and, and, and even beforehand but um man and the fact that it happened at midnight you know gave us kind of the whole entire night to, to be with her, you know, yeah. and they kind of un, untubed her, should I say, you know, cause we couldn't even ever really hug her. But. And, you know, we, um, we had to leave her. We had to leave her. That was not our story. Our story was we wanted to walk out with her and yeah. um, we had to leave her and, and we drove home. And of course the decisions that you have to make after that are, things that no parent should ever have to make. And you can only do it because God is near and he's carrying you. And I remember getting home and I remember bringing this dead lily back home that someone had sent to me in the hospital and it was thriving the hospital. But by that point, the lily was dead. And I remember bringing that home. I remember running outside and screaming and crying because everything was spring. You know, we had been waiting all winter for spring to come and spring had arrived, but it felt so assaulting. Because it, there was no, we didn't feel like spring. And I remember running to the yard and, and saying, death, you will not have the final say. And I remember God saying, he's won. Gianna has won. And um, to remember truth, because truth is the louder voice. And I remember screaming and lamenting. But in that lamenting, I heard that louder voice of God saying, plant that lily. Plant that lily because, because there's going to be life and her story is not done. And um, that was the beginning of her garden. That was the beginning of the Lord saying, you know, that her life is going to continue to grow. And it was also the beginning of him just ripping our heart open for the next calling. And, and what, yeah, do you, no, for, what, what do you do? Like, it's so hard to reconcile. So, you know, one thing, I, like I told you a little bit ago, I didn't want to bring grief into the home. And now... I just had to bury my daughter, my six-year-old daughter, and uh, it's just unbearable. And a lot of times, yeah, I, I bounce between going numb and, and, and wrestling with the Lord. And one thing Johanna always says, when you're wrestling with someone, you're up close and personal, right? You, you know, yeah. um, and the Lord just kept reminding us in our lamenting and in our wrestling that, that Gia is his, and we got to be the ones to carry her home from China and as a family, walk her to Jesus, literally as a family to walk her to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when you come face to face with God and the veil is that thin and that is a sacred space and, and earth dims. And we were at the point where we were completely unanchored from earth more than we had ever been. And 
we had to look at each other and we said, we're going to either go into a cave and suck our thumb and have a fe- take offense to God, which there are moments and pages in the story where you do, because it's, yeah. Yeah. that's one thing. I, it's I, easy I, to do that. And, and, but what will the chapter hold? Will it be mm. a stomping on Satan's head? And will we allow God's narrative to shine? And, and God just kept saying her story's not done. And it, and, and, Gia's, Gia's life is about going out into the deep and finding the treasures out into the deep. And her life is about letting your heart be broken so that new life can grow. And when you continually are reminded about the message of that little precious girl and her life singing so loud, now high upon a rock, not stuck between a rock and a hard place, you cannot go into your cave. You are called out and, you, and, and the Lord said, I have mission for you. Are you still wanting to walk with me? And, and you're mad at him at one place, but then you're just, you know that this is the God who's carried you through all these adoptions and who's not done. And he whispered to our heart that I have a child for you. Gia's life. And this, this is a light from light, life from life. And Gia's life is not done. And I want to show you more. I want to show you how her life continues to bloom. And I think this helped me just have an eternal perspective, a bigger eternal mm. perspective. Before Gianna went to heaven, I, I knew about heaven. I, I, you know, I never, really never studied or anything. I knew uh, by God's grace, I'd be there and when I pass away. But now when your heart's there, your child's there, you're like, wait. Like, like we're just here temporarily. I mean, yeah. Death is, I mean, it, it's, it's a real thing, right? It's something, again, I told you, I was protected from anywhere, one really super close to me. And, but So suddenly everything heavenly dims. matters. Everything, everything eternal matters and everything earthly does. It just did like, why are we here? What's our purpose here? I just want to live out because this, I just want to get to heaven. But until I'm there, I want to live with full purpose. And just honoring Gia's life. It no, doesn't and, make it, it easy, but no. we, we said, let's just start a home study because, again, as easy as it is to go to the cave, I want my life to be a purpose. I want, I want our life to, you know, be brave. Yeah, you know, I want to be able to step out of the boat. But Gia, she teaches us. She taught us. She teaches us still from heaven to, um, to not be afraid of brokenness. And so here we were sitting in our own brokenness. She taught us how to live with a broken heart, but now her heart's healed and we're walking with a broken heart. But that little girl showed us how to continue to live on mission and with joy. And so literally we were, we just, I we kind heard. Of, I kind of feel like if your leg was amputated, you have your choice. You could learn to walk with a limp or whatever, or you just sit here and you know, wallow in it. And I feel like I'm always going to walk with a limp. And, and, and so even our social worker, when we shared our, 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 uh, you know, our conviction that God was she speaking, was, she, <laughs> she was very bold and said, Oh yeah, I think it's too soon. I think, you know, and I was like, but you don't know, we, we, we heard him and he said, be ready. And yeah. I, and I've learned that we, it is a more fearful thing to, to, Disobey God. We just said we want to align ourselves so when God says yes, we're ready to jump. So we started a home study. It was a long process, five, six months. Um, And then January of of, of 2019, you know, Johanna sees our daughter's face and says, wow, look at this little daughter. And she has arthrogryposis. Again, what is that? I didn't know. It's close feet and, you know. She had no use of her arms um, and her wrist. Her joints are, are locked, contractures in her joints. And so we, I see this little girl staring back at me from an agency waiting list. 
no one's no one's coming to her because she's waiting there and I see her eyes and and Davy it was as if I was looking straight into heaven it was as if Gia was saying that's my baby sister mama run to her and I had thought the story was going to be we'd be running to another heart baby and um and I just remember saying God I I didn't I, 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 not this is up. not the we're story. Not, we're not I, set up for orthopedic. We're not set up for this. What is this? And, and it's almost as if he said, haven't you learned? Yeah. It's not hmm. your story. And just remember that I know, and I'm, I'm inviting you. And it, it took many our, days. Our, our, oldest, our, our oldest, we take her out you know, for her 19th birthday, Isabella. And she's like, this is my sister. This is my sister. We're looking at other videos of other kids with this type of special need. And, and I'm at that point saying, just call the agency. Like, not my life, but yours, Lord, because I don't understand. Just kind of a sold out, like, God has made it so clear that we're here. It's not about my comfort. No. But let me tell you, we hesitated. We said, Mm. let's call tomorrow. Yeah. And And Davey's spiritual warfare, too, you could cut it. For for the next six days, it was... Fear, just complete fear paralyzing fear and my daughter isabel is fasting and praying saying, this is my this is my this is my sister yeah her 19 year old older sister went into the room her room fasted and prayed on her knees so january 10th gianna's seventh birthday first one without her and we go to a butterfly museum and we're, we're celebrating and on the way home isabel scream says there is a news alert saying winter storm gia is hitting the east coast the seventh storm. Are you kidding me? The seventh birthday. And just, just a, a kiss on the forehead, like of all names of storms and yeah, of all days that come. Literally called the Gia storm. Yeah, the Gia storm. So I can just tell you that God was basically shouting, you need to go get your her little sister. Like this is, mm-hmm. how how much more clear do I need to be? I closed the door, Johanna in her bedroom, and, and this is the first adoption. She's like, Brian, I... I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I don't know. You have to say yes or no. Versus the other three are saying, yeah, she's like, please, yeah. It's, I just was so... Please. I was just, All I know is I said, the only reason I would say no is again, my fear, my comfort is what if she is dependent upon us at a later age or she can never be independent? And I said, oh, well, it's so mm-hmm. selfish to say no. So yes. And we said, and we're taking the whole family with us. Yeah. And we moved forward. And five months later, we ended up six months later, we're in China. We're in year. China on the anniversary of when we had been in China for Gia, just um, just two years prior. I mean, uh, like I said, many years. Many years we went prior. to China June of 2019. Took the whole family, got to tour Hudson's orphanage, Talia's orphanage, Gianna's foster home. And just so many blessings in that. It just truly was a sacred, you know, one thing I've learned in this grief journey is that sorrow and joy are not separate entities. They, um, it's a dance. It's a braiding element that you just walk together and you can't fully, you're not going to fully feel the joy unless you fully feel the sorrow. And so you can't separate them anymore. And that's what this, process has been it's this incredible joy of look what god's doing bringing goodness you know he's birthing new life you know even mira's chinese name was translated to goodness and truth and we gave her the name Evie Mira, which means the, the, the gift of new life. And her middle name is Juntova, which, which means the, the, the truth of goodness. And we're sitting in the joy of that God can truly show 
goodness out of tragedy and you will never be able to reconcile it because you'll never ever be able to come with peace with but I didn't like this part but this part is beautiful there's just there's no wrapping your heart around it. You just have to it, dance with it and trust and release and open your arms. Every journey is a trust journey. I mean, all the videos we were getting from even there were scary, you know. Yeah. And we get there, and, and she's leaving the orphanage. We're carrying her. She's screaming her head off. And, you know, but the sea, and we're, we're a couple of weeks away from one year being home, one year of her you know, being with our family. And she's had club feet surgery. She's taken three steps by herself with a miracle. And just the spunky joy she brings to our family mm-hmm. but we've created a a nonprofit for in, in honor of our daughter gianna we've uh, we've been able to Gia grow forever foundation and, and we've been able to give seven grants for adoptions and, and give two grants or two donations to gianna's foster home and it's just one thing that is a bittersweet, but just to, to honor this foundation and say, let's walk along other people taking the step of faith, which is scary, but it's so worth the journey that, that God will open their eyes to so many more miracles. And, uh, and it's just the, the, the legacy of her life is that you, the way to more is through the way of brokenness. And you can't be afraid of a broken heart. You can't be afraid of a broken story. And when you are able to embrace the brokenness, then that's the only way to truly see redemption and to see um, God. And, you know, it's it's just been, I've been able to document the story through my blogging and my writing. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's been an incredible way to, you know, to carry others along so that they can see that death is not, I love Elizabeth Elliot's quote that says, Ashes are never the end of the story. And, uh, mm. you know, God called us out to adoption in the valley. He chased us down with goodness, with Tova in the valley. And um, he invited, invited us into a, a story that was birthed from pain. Yeah. And But that is our God. He, he brings new life from pain. And um, if you, you're not going to see the new life if you're afraid of the pain. And... Uh, you know, that's, uh, it's, 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 it's just been an incredible ride to be able to see that our God has victory over death, mm. you know, and it hurts. It hurts. It doesn't take the pain away, but I tell people that it keeps our hearts soft to truth and soft to his gifts. I step back right now, Davey, and just look at my kids and just say, Look what I could have missed and, and just the joys they bring. The bonding with Talia now is the most fierce love and bond that I have with her and, and Hudson the giggles. And it's just, I, I praise God that fear didn't win, that I didn't let my comfortable Christianity of what I knew and grew up, you know, kind of knowing is I just thank God that he, he, he saved me from that, to be honest with you. Mm. And when people say, look what the, the, the life you give them, look at the life they've given them. Oh, just, no, it's just, I, I, as soon so as I someone says. For anyone considering yeah. adoption, you know, spouses, listen, you know, uh, to, to, to take the jump, ask questions, educate yourself, because honestly. Life is lived outside your comfort zone. Absolutely. And um, if you want to see God and you want to see his heart, run to the orphan because that's where God's heart is. Mm. And, but you have to be ready to be broken. And that is the only way that you're going to see these miracles and this joy and, and life is lived out in the deep. That's where the treasures are found. And that's what Gia taught us and is teaching us. And that's what called us back to China after she went to heaven. Mm. She shouted that 
there's goodness in the land of the living. That's what God told us. And um, adoption has been the way that God has shown us his heart. Adoption is so much less about our hearts and so much more about the Father's heart and how he pursues us. And it's just been humbling to witness be part of this the gospel. Program. It's the gospel. It is. Yep. Well, that's what I love about this series that we're doing and what I love, absolutely love about your story. And I just appreciate your um, willingness to share it and to bless other people with it. And uh, I'm, I'm unbelievably inspired by your heart, especially <laughs> to be willing to walk in that brokenness and to be willing to say, you know, there's a lot of risk involved with mm-hmm. this and there's a lot of unknown and there's a lot of, but there is, where else, where else would we go? Right. right. Like, there is no other place where we can find true fulfillment and satisfaction other than the, the center of what God is calling us to do, even when it means stepping out of a boat. We're right. only here for a short period of time. And I want to, I want to live on call on purpose, you know, for, 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 for kingdom building. And, and, you know, there, there are times of rest, but let me just tell you, it's, it's, it's been a blessing in our life. It's not easy though. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you for sharing your story and we will absolutely in the show notes, make sure that we link your blog and thank we you. link thank um, you. the ways that people can follow your journey and get connected to you. Um, especially if they're wanting to launch out on their own adoption journey. So, but thank you. Thank you again, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Davey, I love that conversation that you had with Johanna and Brian. So powerful, so encouraging the way that God has worked in their journey. Really, really amazing. I have a review from a listener that I actually want to share um, that talks about how the podcast has been encouraging to them. It says this, I have been listening to this podcast for quite a while. It is real people and their stories. Mm -hmm. Yes, we just heard that how God has stepped in and carried them during their hardest lifetimes. Please give it a listen and tell others. So encouraging. Yeah. So if we could ask a favor of you, would you go and rate and review the podcast? It really helps us out. We would love it if you would do that. Also, while you're doing that, if you'd follow us on Instagram at nothing is wasted ministries, you can follow me at Davey Blackburn and you can follow Aubrey at Obsamp, A-U-B-S-A-M-P. And we want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can download his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. We're also going to continue our adoption series next week with a great guest, Sam Colliers, with you to share his story and to preach because the guy is a preacher. So (laughs) let's go ahead and listen to a little bit of your conversation with Sam. My mother, who adopted us, was also in the laundromat on this Sunday, but for a different reason. The night before, she had been hit in the head with a hammer by her ex, now her ex-husband. And she got up the next morning saying, by any means necessary, I have to get out of this situation. So she got up, put a gun in her purse, and said, I need an alibi. I'm going to the laundromat. Because she was getting ready to go kill him. So if anybody wanted to know where she was at 3 p.m. on a Sunday, she was at the laundromat. So... Long story short, bro, they, they, they end up walking out of the laundromat together hmm. and they never look back. My mom doesn't go through, obviously with Kelly, but she does manage to get a divorce. My dad gets a divorce and 
they start dating and they give their life to Christ for the first time. Wow. And again, I want to remind you, my dad's like 51 at the time. He was in the last chapter of his life. Mm -hmm. And after they get saved, they start um, dating more, courting. They get married. After they get married, they realize my mother can't have kids. So my mom comes to my dad. She says, I've always wanted to have kids. Can we at least adopt? And he said, yeah. 